Kurt Balper and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson. This is Julie. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his inaugural appearance. In fact, neither a weekly nor a monthly nor even periodic appearance. It is a an inaugural appearance. It is Craig Edwards. Craig Edwards is now currently contributing to Fangraphs.com five times a week. He also contributes to Viva Albertos, has contributed to Pinstripe Alley. I believe I'm not lying when I say Pinstripe Alley is a blog to which he's contributed. But now, uh, it certainly, it is a fact that he has contributed to Fangraphs five days a week. Uh, in what follows, I uh, I do ask questions of Craig Edwards regarding some of the pieces he has written, again, writing five days a week for the site. I ask him about that, but mostly, uh, having never met Craig Edwards, having never even previously spoken to the man, uh, I uh, utilize this, and I hope that the the, the listener benefits from this. I uh, to, just to get to know Craig Edwards, his dreams, maybe, maybe his dreams, his his origins. We get to he's from Des Moines. This is a fact that we learn about Craig. He is unassuming. He says as much, and I think that I have also said as much by noting that he is from Des Moines. Uh, we learn that he's a lawyer, and he currently lives in Chicago. All of this and more uh, we learned in this conversation. We get to know Craig Edwards. We get to know the Edwards behind the Edwards, so to speak. We also learn another thing that we learn, and I will end this introduction uh, quickly. Uh, but another thing we learn is that uh, Craig Edwards has had an encounter with CBSSports.com's Dane Perry that CBSSports.com's Dane Perry uh, is unaware of at the moment. Actually, he he doesn't know this, but I I think that I know where he lives. Uh, my girlfriend and I were walking to a Thai restaurant in the city of Chicago. We walked by a house, and it appeared to be Dane Perry in the window doing something or other in the kitchen. And then I said to my girlfriend, I, that looks like Dane Perry. It is Fangraphs. It does feature uh, Fangraphs daily contributor Craig Edwards, and it begins right now. seem reasonable it does okay good well i'm prepared to find out about you if that's if that's all right yes here are some things i think about you uh i know about you uh one is um you've been writing every day or almost every day yeah i think uh the only times that i did not were when we were doing those uh those positional previews oh my yeah you um, can, did you did you I did two of those in one week, and oh. so I didn't do a post every day that week. And then yeah. there was another day where I was at the Chicago Blackhawks had a playoff game, mm-hmm. and it went into triple overtime. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next morning, I did not get up and write a post. Yeah, I think that's reasonable, right? I, I hope so. Yeah, and the, the positional previews, uh, I don't know if readers understand this or not. I also don't know if they care or not, but I'm about to say this because I have – it's an observation I've made is they are um, – they are uh, – each one of those is a tour de force because you're essentially attempting to render into a tidy narrative the, the you know, the entire like uh, first base position, for example. I don't know what, what uh, positions you did, but um, – the entire, uh, the whole situation for the team, uh, all the contingencies that occur over the course of the next, the next season, and it's not easy. I was not prepared for it when I sat down to write it. Yeah, I will say, as someone who's done it now for three or four years, I continue to be uh, unprepared for it. It is a, uh, if I were a different person, I would say it's a doozy. Um, um, <laughs> I'm not that, not that sort of person though. Yeah, I had center field and I had third base. Yeah. And so for center field, you know, you start out with Mike Trout. You yeah. say all these things about Mike Trout and then Colin Cowgill is is listed there. You don't really have anything to say about Colin Cowgill. Yeah. So I think I just said Colin Cowgill also plays for the Angels. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. 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 Better than you. Better than you would uh, yeah. as well, one presumes. Yeah, much better. Yeah. So so here's the thing so that's one of the things I know about you is that you've been that you've been producing content. Um, which is, uh, that's, um, I think it's Woody Allen who said 80% of life is showing up. I would say an even higher percentage of that of uh, blogging is, is, uh, producing content. Yes. Not, well, not, I mean, uh, a lot of people, you know, I don't know if you've heard it 
said, but people say, well, once you come up with the idea that the the story it writes itself, mm-hmm. and uh, I have found that not to be the case. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that after you come up with the idea, you still have to write it. You still right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe if you were, um, it was not uncommon. I think I don't know what what the case is for modern or contemporary artists, but. Um, artists before that they would have essentially uh, you know they would run a studio they would conceive of an idea and then apprentice artists would uh, would would actually paint the paintings would actually do the painting yeah it's a pretty good setup that's a great setup if, yeah but that's uh, you as a uh, as a contributor to fangraphs.com you do not have that benefit no i'm not i'm not a general contractor of of blog posts. Yeah. In fact, the other the uh, another thing might happen, which is Dave Cameron comes to you and says, "Hey, this is, here's an idea already." And so he and so for him maybe what he what it's doing is the idea. It's not writing itself, but at least Craig Edwards is writing it. So Dave Cameron doesn't have to. Yes, that's fair. Has he done that before? Uh, there's been a couple times he's suggested I cover. A few topics. Yeah, but anyways, I think it, well, I think it's impressive that you are able to have an idea every day. Today, for example, it involved uh, Drew Hutchison, right-hander for the Toronto Blue Jays. Correct. Yeah, Drew Hutchison uh, has had um, has occasionally this season pitched uh, not so well. Um, in other occasions, he's pitched he has pitched well, and it does seem as though there's some correlation between those performances and the velocity of his fastball. True or false? I would say that's that's true. True. Um, his best start of the year, actually, he he was pitching at a, about 93 um, last night when he just shut down the White Sox. So he he didn't have his his best fastball, but it's better better than what he started the season with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there, I think across the entire population of pitchers, major league pitchers, there is a correlation. I don't know how strong it is. I've just looked at it before. Correlation between. Uh, Average fastball velocity and performance. Yep, and is, because he uses it so much, he sort of he needs it. Yeah, that's right. Um, I guess, and uh, I don't know. No, he he just throws one. He throws the four seamer predominantly, exclusively. He's he's got a, a sinking fastball, but I I think he's used it maybe like thirty to fifty times on the year. Not okay, so not too much. Not a not a big offering for him. Right, and uh, one thing that I think uh, was so Jeff Sullivan uh, addressed recently the case of Bartolo Colon, who possesses among the highest um, fastball usage rates. But I think that the point Sullivan made was he has there are different he throws different fastballs, two or three, even three of them maybe somehow, um, and so they all function as you know they're roughly the same velocity, but they all move a little bit differently. There are three different pitches. Right. Yeah, but we're talking about with Hutchison maybe. It's one pitch that he uses a lot. That's what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. How did you come up to with that idea? You were watching the game? Were you watching the game? Uh, no, I was not watching the game. Oh. But um, I saw that he had pitched extremely well, and yeah. I wondered what was going on with him because I knew at the start of the season he was not pitching well at all. Mm-hmm. So I tried to figure out what was going on. You got to stay curious, Craig Edwards. That's what I try to do. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, let's see. What else do I know about you? You're producing content. Oh, yes, you are responsible for, um, not that this is a great achievement, but you are responsible for one of the loudest audible laughs um, I have performed. I don't know if you perform a laugh. I have produced. I've produced. I've, the loudest laughs I have produced in uh, recent, uh, recent memory. And that was, uh, and I don't, listen, I want to say this. I don't expect that you, that you, are the one who in, who created this line, but just the fact that you passed along uh, makes you uh, uh, makes you a saint uh, in the internal message board we use. Yes. Um, someone had made a comment about airlines, maybe airplanes, and then yes, you I believe they started a uh, sort of the old hacky joke, like sort of making fun of the the old um, like. How bad is airplane food? That sort of thing. But right. And you conflated the, the complaints about airplane food with another joke that maybe is a Seinfeld joke, which is uh, the at, when a plane crashes, the only thing that survives is the black box. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? Yes. 
And you, what you said was, why don't they make the whole plane out of airline food? Yes. That is funny. Because what you did was you, you married two uh, pretty ubiquitous ideas through a comedy and you put them right together. Did you? Yes, did I, thought, you, did, I thought it was just ridiculous enough, did you, but not too ridiculous. Did you create that line? Was that you? Uh, as far as I know. Wow. I mean, I, I think that there's a sort of a like a general meme um, perhaps out there somewhere about just the, why don't they make the whole plane out of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sort of attempted to pick up on that yeah, and that was good. insert it into the message board. I loved it. I I'm glad you know, I just want you to know that I loved it. I don't know. I don't know if that means anything to you that I loved it, but I did love it. So one person, you know, it's it's good. I mean, it was great. I really loved it. Well, I I, I said it to hopefully to entertain. Yeah, so you did. You I'm really glad succeeded. That you were entertained. Mm-hmm. I was. I was. So those are. Let's see. I know too. I know that you're responsible for that. So I know this is. That's like a case where I, I talked about this with Kylie a little bit. But do you know, like, if a um, so if a pitcher throws 95 miles per hour just once, like you got a pretty good idea that he can repeat that skill, or that he's capable of that. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. capable of throwing anywhere close to 95. I'm not going to do it accidentally, right? Yes. And the same thing like if a pitcher like Corey Kluber recently, right, struck out uh, 18 opposing batters in one game. I don't know if there's a case where just a mediocre pitcher uh, – I mean mediocre pitchers have thrown no hitters. That's a fact. But uh, mm-hmm. it's I don't think you're going to find a mediocre pitcher recording 18 strikeouts. If a guy records 18 strikeouts in a game, you can om- you can bet that he is a he is a considerably above average pitcher. I think that seems fair. Yeah, I'm sure if you looked at the list of all of the pitchers who have struck out at least 18 batters, um, you would say that at some point in time in their career, you could definitely say that they were very good. Yeah, I think you could say that. You could say that. And then. And then so I said, well, if Craig Edwards is responsible, if he can produce a joke like that, and I didn't even know you could, but I thought just the fact that you identified it as brilliant was good enough, but that you actually created that. I said, you have a high ceiling so far as this comedy is concerned. That's what I said to myself. I mean, I said it to myself. I thought it is what that is. Mm -hmm. Is that? Well, I I hope so. Do you take compliments well, Craig? Do you take compliments well? I try to. You do? I think okay. I I, uh, um, I I appreciate uh, when people say good things about me, and I try to acknowledge that they were said. Okay. All right. All right. As long as we're okay with it, you're okay with the yes. compliment. That compliment. Yes. Okay. Although now there's now there's a bar that that you have set for me. Oh, that... you're not gonna you're not gonna reach it. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not you're gonna saying. hit that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. The uh, third thing about which I know is that you write for – I think you write, still write for, have written for Viva Viva Alberto's the SB Nation blog for um, for the Cardinals. Yes? Yes. I still write once a week. Oh, okay. Uh, Tuesday is my day, which and, is today. Oh, okay. Today. And what sort of um, – what sort of topic do you have a uh, – is there – would you say there's a theme to the sort of things you write or would you say uh, um, a sabermetric miscellany, miscellany, sabermetric miscellany? Yeah, I'd say uh, miscellany. miscellany. Um, today I wrote about Johnny Peralta. Last week I think I wrote about the the bench and the structure of the bench. Um, sometimes I just complain about Mike Matheny, um, but yeah. that's that's all all part of it. Frustrating. Uh, now I imagine there, I, it seems to me is that there are very few teams of which one could conspicuously be a fan where you're not you don't feel a little bit frustrated about the manager. That's 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 a fair statement. Do you give an exception? I mean, Joe Madden maybe. Yeah. If you're a Cubs fan, do you, when Joe Madden makes decisions, you're like, well, he probably knows. Or even if it seems weird, you say, well, he's he's made of, you know, he's made of rainbows. So just trust yeah. him. Yeah. Do do Giants fans get mad at Bruce Bochy? I don't know specifically. I don't feel like. Well, it'd be hard. I mean, any time a, a club. Wins three world championships in six years. Was that yeah. right? Is that right? Yep. So maybe they get mad at him every other year. Every other year, but you have to think. Well, at this point, at this point, it's all it's all extra, right? You don't deserve mm-hmm. you don't deserve anything like three championships, you know, even over a twenty five year period. 
you know, when it happens over six years, then you just say, yeah, whatever. It could be how they could play however they want for a little bit. I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, you you can complain, but no one will care about or hear them. Right, but maybe you're complaining only to other fans of the club. So maybe they're if anyone's going to be sympathetic, it's them. Yes, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's talk about this then. Uh, how did you become How did you become a Cardinals fan? First of all, how old How old of a person are you? Do you want to say that? Yes, I am 34 years old. You're 34 years old. Okay, all right. I'm a 35 year old person, so that puts us in close proximity. Yes, we all I have was similar. Born in 1981. Pop, yeah, we'll have similar uh, pop culture uh, touchstones. Yes. Yeah. Say by the bell. Mm-hmm. Challenger disaster. Were you around for that? Uh, I I mean I I believe I was in elementary school. I have vague memories of it. Yeah. Although. Um, yeah. Waco, David Koresh, Waco. Yes, I, I, I recall that. That was maybe fourth or fifth grade, I would say, somewhere. Yeah, branch, the Branch Davidian compound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, David Koresh. Uh, how about Baby Jessica in the Well? Um, Texas. I feel like I know that more as like a reference. Okay. Than a an actual yeah. event. Okay. All right. So, but we're 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 pretty much the same. We're pretty much the same same area. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So let's. Yeah. How did you become a Cardinals fan then? Well, I grew up in Iowa. I'm an Iowa native. Well, are you a native of a place if you were not born there? Hmm. I mean, na- uh, the word native comes from the verb to be born, like Natari. The Italians Natari. The French is. I don't know, not natach. I don't know what it is actually. Uh, the Latin is probably similar, so that that does mean born, but um, you could be a you could be a product of the state, maybe. Well, that does not necessarily okay. speak to your birth. Would you say you're a product of Iowa? Yeah, I'd say I'm a product of Iowa. I, my parents um, moved there when I was three, mm-hmm. um, and I lived there for roughly twenty years. But uh, my um, mother grew up in St. Louis. My father grew up in Southern Missouri, mm-hmm. and so a large portion of their family were Cardinals fans. And I just sort of got indoctrinated, brainwashed, whatever word people yeah, use to. Those all seem reasonable. So, so get you involved in, in their fandom. You're a real. You're a real Iowan, then. I would say yes. I don't live in Iowa anymore. I currently live in Chicago. Oh yeah. That's that's where a lot of uh, it seems to be where a lot of um, middle westerners go when they say it's time it's time for city life. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up in Des Moines, which is uh, a very very nice city, yeah. um, and then lived in Iowa City for a time, and then moved to Chicago because I wanted to experience a, a bigger city. You ever spend time with Dane Perry there? Uh, we have met, um, yeah. and because he's also a Cardinals fan. Yes, he is. Um, and actually, he he doesn't know this, but I I think that I know where he lives. Um, <laughs> um, without without giving too many details away, yeah. um, I'd, yeah. I'll say, um, my girlfriend and I were walking to a Thai restaurant yeah. in the city of Chicago, and we walked by um, a house and. It appeared to be Dane Perry uh, in the window, um, doing something or other in the kitchen. And then I said to my girlfriend, I, "That looks like Dane Perry." Is and it, uh, is he she, doing said, she said, "She said, who's that?" Yeah. And uh, I said, "Well, he's a Cardinals fan and uh, another baseball writer." And um, I'd like to think that I'm a fairly well-mannered person, so I just kept walking. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's, you know be too much of an intrusion um, to, I don't know, keep waving until I received acknowledgement of a person that or to I've knock. met once. Or to knock. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's on it's on the home dweller to notice you. You, yeah. As opposed to the person from the outside. Like, it, it's sort of an incursion in, into your personal life well, if, the, you're, if you sort of insert yourself. Yeah, well, the thing is, right, if you were to knock, like, what would your first line be? You know, when he answers the door, it says, 
I don't know if he knew you at that point or not, but if he says, oh, Craig, like, what would you, what would be the <laughs> pretense upon which you, you made your appearance, right? Like, what would you say? Uh, walking by for dinner and I saw you in your window. Yeah. Yeah. Just looked, I was looking in your window. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. It would be hard to do. Now, some people could, I think that there are some people who could own it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I had a I had a friend in graduate school who would um, on the way home from campus he would stop by my apartment apartment that I shared with another, with another uh, another guy in our in our grad school program and he would um, he would just walk into our apartment and he would uh, he would grab a beer and sit down do you know what I'm saying Yes maybe I you, think there's a certain level of familiarity there that- Yeah is not present between Dane Perry and myself. Between you and Dane. But I think but I also think that my friend might might have been might be the sort who could own it where if he saw you through the window, he would just say, Oh, I saw you through the window, that's why I'm here. You know? He would say, Hey, mm-hmm. we're all we're all people. Some of us are looking through windows sometimes. Right? Yeah, well, I mean it's good to be observant. Now, mean, that's uh, how that's how I saw him in the first place. Yeah. Now Dane Dane um I think Dane moved at some point during the winter, maybe last fall. Do you think? Do you think you you saw him at his new this location? This is in the last month. This is in the last month. The last month. Okay. All right. So you think? So you have a pretty good idea. You think of of exactly where Dane Perry lives? Yes, and I it, like had a vague recollection. There was a big snowstorm um, during the winter, and he posted a photo on his Twitter <laughs> of this gigantic limousine across the street. And I feel like I've been down that street before and seen that same limousine. So I thought, I think in my head, I thought that a general idea of where where he lived. Although this is, we're bordering on creepy now. I would say. No, but yeah, but let's. I don't, explore. Think, I, don't, I don't think we've gotten there yet. No, no, this is good. No, so, yeah, yeah. And so I had a general idea, and then walked by, and fairly certain I saw him. So yeah, yeah. Did you, did you, was he was he doing anything untoward so far as you could tell, or was it mostly toward? Uh, it was toward, I would say. <laughs> mostly. Um, yeah. I don't yes. think anything was he does is completely toward. Yes. So largely toward, you'd say. Yes. Yeah. All right. I I believe he was doing something in the kitchen. I believe. Yeah, that sounds like him. That sounds like something he'd do. Not <laughs> not not performing any power squats though. No, not that I could tell. All right. You know, I don't know if you know it, but he he likes uh, he likes power squats. Mm, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big uh, big fan of weightlifting. He thinks it's mm. important. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't do that sort of thing myself. No, it, yeah, 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 yeah. We do know that. Uh, we do know that you walk around enough, though. Yes, I, I I do walk around, but when I see objects, I don't have a desire to. Lift them. Lift them. Yeah. Uh, would you describe any of your? You mentioned you're from Iowa. Would you describe any of your your personality traits, your mannerisms, as distinctly Iowan? It's a tough question. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I mean, one say, of them. Maybe. I would not, say there's a, a. I don't know. The. I think generally people are associated with being polite and friendly. Mm-hmm. I would say, and I would like to think that I'm polite and friendly. I think that's something better judged by others than myself. See, that's I, a, that's already that, there. That is a polite way of play, of uh, phrasing it, though. You say that, yeah. I think other people. I don't want to make. It's also unassuming. I think would be a would be a trait. I don't know of Iowans specifically, but cer- certainly Middle Westerners, unassuming. That's fair. You do not want to presume that you are funny. You say, well, that's for someone else to judge. I would not. Dare, I would not dare make that make that decision for someone else. Right. Yeah, I feel like I have. Everyone some... has has their own, uh, you know, own sense of humor. Some yeah. people think other things are funny, and uh, that's that's not it's not my place to judge. No. Yeah. But what would you think? Like, for example, have you ever met anyone from from uh, New York or New England? Yes. I assume you have. Mm-hmm. Do you notice any any distinct mannerisms uh, that they possess, or that maybe that you either recognized as distinct from from yours, or that um, um, that you found irksome 
because they were not the sort that you value in Iowa or the Middle West? I would say that sometimes um, the speaking can be sort of more abrupt. You're more likely to, uh, you know, start talking before maybe the other person has finished necessarily. Um, so, yep. yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> <You> continue. <laughs> where, as you know, I, I mean, at some point in time, you have to get in a word edgewise. But if you if you just keep waiting, then um, the other person will generally keep filling that 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 silence. Um, yeah. Although maybe that's because I don't know, Midwesterners or Iowans are more comfortable with peace or silence. Ah. I don't know. This, yes, that's right. Well, I, I would say that I certainly use talking as a crutch uh, to keep um, to keep the um, to keep the misery away. Yeah, if I don't keep, I feel for yeah, I feel like if there's not no one talking, I feel like it is immediately awkward, and uh, we're already we're reminded of our our uh, frailty. That's what that's what happens in silence for me. Are you reminded of your frailty in a bit of silence, or are you okay with it? Um, a little bit of both, you know, maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of the frailty and, uh, then I, I contemplate it and gives me strength knowing that everyone else has these same frailties as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So you, so you, from your parents, it seems you, um, you inherited the, the Cardinals fandom. When did you, um, some of these are stock questions, but uh, everyone's answers is of some interest to me. Um, maybe you'll break that trend. Maybe your answers won't be interest me at all. But uh, but I think or, or, the, or the listener. But um, how did you uh, find your way to the the sabermetric side of things? Because you seem pretty comfortable, fluent in that. Uh, I'd say, you know, when the internet got got going and I got access to it, you know, um, I. You know, found myself on ESPN, and I believe you know Rob Nyer pointed a lot of people in a lot of different directions that uh, I was not previously aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the book, and eventually websites like FanGraphs, and uh, I just sort of kept clicking on links until I felt more comfortable with uh, with sabermetrics in general. Yeah. Now, uh, what did you, did you attend university? Yes. Yeah. Um, for undergraduate, I went to Drake University, which is in Des Moines. Okay. Um, and then I also went to law school and I did that at the University of Iowa. Oh my. Now, did you go, did you go to law school on purpose or was it accidental? Uh, I mean, I sent in the applications and, uh, <laughs> you know, showed up and everything. Yeah, but uh, I my majors were in the liberal liberal arts. Yeah, and um, I did not really know what what to do. Yes. and I knew that I that law school was a thing that lots of people did. Um, my dad did it, and uh, so that's what I did as well. And three years later, I had a degree in student loans. Yeah, that's right. So, but now you're a 34 year old person. Yes. Are you? Uh, I don't think you're a lawyer. Are you a lawyer? Uh, you know, I still do uh, some legal work nine oh, you to do? five. Yeah. Huh. Or you know, today, you know, maybe eleven to six. Oh, you performed with, you per- with, with with this hour break in the middle. You perform. You already performed legal work today. Uh, some. I just uh, I reviewed documents. So. Um, I get hired by temp agencies um, to perform due, on, on, on due larger due? cases to, uh, to to read through documents and you know decide whether somebody else needs to look at them. Ah, is that is that due diligence? Uh, I think it's there, there's some due diligence involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, there's it's not there's all some necessary. There's, there's some necessary diligence <laughs> that that needs to happen so that you don't. Uh, um, you know, if you're in a legal battle, you don't want to provide the other side with um, information that you don't have to. Yeah. Is that a gray area? Is that a legal gray area, Craig? 
No, uh, it's 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 fairly black and white on on most issues. I think the where the gray areas are, uh, other people take care of that stuff. I don't have to do that. You don't have to, right? You're just there. You say uh, you're like the first layer, maybe like I know in uh, like a poetry contest. They'll a poetry contest. Whoever's sponsoring it, they will advertise the celebrity. I mean, to the degree that poets can be celebrities, but they will advertise. Say, oh, this will be judged by Galway Canell, who I'm guessing is dead now. Actually, I'm going to guess Galway Canell is dead. But that's what they might have used to. Maybe Jory Graham is, an, is another example. Jory Graham uh, used to teach at the University of Iowa. Maybe still does actually. Maybe Galway Canell did too. I don't know. But Jory Graham used to teach at the University of Iowa. Or maybe still well, their, their writing program is very well known. Yeah, yeah, it's decent. I mean, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, right after the very the VIP UMass program, it is. I mean, it's a distant second, but it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely second after the VIP UMass program. The important. I will take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you will. This is very, <laughs> this is very polite, polite and unassuming of you. The. Uh, um, but still, they'll say Jory Graham. I mean, I feel foolish for not knowing about it until now. Which one? The the VIP UMass poetry? Uh, Correct. Uh, yes. Writing? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you should feel foolish, Craig. Yeah. That's well, not, I do. Yep. Yeah. Good. I think it's, it's probably, if we all, if that's our default setting, then we're probably right more often than wrong, right? Being that's fair. Feeling foolish. So, um, but so they'll say, oh, Jory Graham is the... Jory Graham is the uh, she's the judge, but really the first layer it's just whoever like is like uh, the student editors of that particular publication are, and then they'll send uh, ten manuscripts or whatever under Jory Graham, maybe even five, and she's like, oh yeah, the one of the five or ten you sent me, this is the best one. But it seems like maybe sometimes the legal work you're doing, you're just like you're there and you say, yeah, this is. There's a possibility this needs to be looked at. I'll pass it along to the relevant parties. Otherwise, don't worry about these these other documents. Yes, that's so, so I, fair, the fair. first very first filter. Well, yeah. actually, the first filter is like a computer program. Which do, which one? Then, we're looking at emails. Uh, you know, yeah, just uh, keyword searches, that sort of thing. Huh. Um, you know, so it, and it takes away, so you, you don't have to look at spam mm-hmm. like that that sort of thing. Um, and then, and then people like me start looking at it. And then people who work at the, the large law firms, then they have to look at it once, once people like me finish. When you're coming through that, when you're going through these, especially like personal correspondence, you must come across a lot of, you must come across a lot of amusing emails. Uh, that's, that, that does happen, yes. Yeah. Do you ever put them aside and be like, I'm going to save this, put it in my, Put it in my dream journal or whatever. No, um, I I take my confidentiality very seriously. Okay, all right. So I would never I would never want to uh, abuse the the no, privilege that I've been given. That's good. To uh, that's, to to view these personal emails. That's the correct answer. I've actually been, I've actually this this is not a, a uh, in addition to thing I've said here at all. This is a. Secretly, I, I work for the Iowa Bar Association, or maybe the <laughs> Illinois, Illinois Bar Association. Which one are you barred by? Illinois. Oh, Illinois, yeah. Yeah, I work yes, for the Illinois Bar Association. Yes, after law school, moved directly to Chicago yeah. and took took the bar yeah. and passed it. And being back, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, very Thank good. you. Very good, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, all right, so, what, so you, oh yeah, so you're doing some legal work. So you actually use your, you, you use your law degree. Yes. Yeah, to make money. Yeah. Yeah, some. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I know, yes, I, uh, I'm i familiar with that path, though. The, um, I did not take it myself, but I have some good friends from college who graduated, and then they uh, they looked around, and they said, oh, man, I, uh, I know I majored in art history or um, something of the sort, and I should probably move. Should probably get a should probably get an advanced degree of some sort, something practical. Yeah, but you are not. Uh, so you know, number a number of the people who write for the site have, um, if not a degree in any of the sciences or mathematics, then they will have it in some of the more rigorous social sciences like economics. But you don't have that. Maybe you do have that. What is your degree in? Uh, history and English. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. You did it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my dog, my dog thinks that. Uh, hey, um, 
um, so that was really, yeah, you really nailed the humanities. Is your dog trained to bark at history and English majors? <laughs> yeah, she is. You keep them out of the house because they, they're not bringing <laughs> money in. They're only taking money out. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're a poor investment. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. And so, and so the sabermetric, so you, you were reading the, the Rob Nyer there and that led you, and now at some point, now how did you start reading for, for Viva? Well, did you start writing for Viva Alberta? So were you maybe a community member there or were you, were you, did you have another site even beyond that? Well, the, I believe the first thing that I ever wrote that was published was on the Fangrass community page. Oh, and that's that was excellent. maybe, maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that. Um, and then a while after that, um, I started writing for the Yankees SB Nation site. Um, and I did that like once a week for a year and then, um, I just switched over to the Viva Alberto's, the Cardinals website because I was more interested in watching their games and writing about them as, as a fan. And so, and then, so I've been writing for Viva Alberto's maybe close to a year and a half, I would say. Okay. Do you find it uh, when you are coming up with your posts for Fangraphs? Do you think are you, are you, is your first is your first inclination to think about the Cardinals, or you go, yeah, it doesn't matter? Um, I think that you know some of that frames things. I watch more Cardinals games than yeah. other teams' games, so you know the last you know few weeks, um, I'll tend to write about a player that the Cardinals have played. Yeah. Um, like last week, I think I wrote about Lucas Duda, who yeah, you did. was playing, um, against, uh, the Cardinals for the Mets. So I feel like it's, it sort of spurs ideas, but, um, I don't, I don't try to emphasize, um, Cardinals in my writing, but I have written, you know, maybe a handful of pieces on, on Cardinals players, but I don't want, uh, don't want people to think that uh, my fandom is is seeping out, and yeah. I, you know I, I try to be objective. Yeah, I think it seems reasonable. What's that you wrote about Drew Hutchison? It's that's he's even he's in a whole different country. Forget yeah, forget, forget the team. Uh, do you remember the? Do you remember? Uh, I have it right here before me. The, do you remember the original post you submitted to the community blog? Um, I believe it was on Adam Wainwright. It was. Yeah, Adam Wainwright throwing fewer fastballs simultaneously. Yeah, more, more, more curveballs, I believe. Yeah, along with that, and simultaneously yeah. increasing his effectiveness. Craig Edwards wanted us to know in 2010. Yes, that's those are those are my words. <laughs> and that was uh, now when you submitted that. Uh, what are you thinking at that point? Are you thinking, oh, this is uh, this is going to be? That, were you? Do you have sweaty palms, or were you just like, yeah, uh, they either take it or they don't? Uh, I was, I was, I was nervous about it, yeah. but, uh, part of it was just, uh, I don't know, an outlet. I, you know, I, I probably spent, I don't want to say an unhealthy amount of time thinking about baseball, but, yeah. um, if I could use some of that to more productive uses, uh, like writing about it, um, so that's sort of what it turned into and, it was more, I would say, pleasant surprise mm-hmm. than, um, I guess I, I didn't think that it would be published, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, there it is. You, 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 th- maybe you, that's just my attitude in general. Um, you have a, uh, um, a lack of confidence in your own skills. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that right? Uh- um, I would say I have a lack of confidence in other people's appreciation of my own skills. Okay, that's a that's a yes, that's a clever distinction. You say you don't trust people to. No, I'm I'm making it a little bit more. Uh, let's see, I'm rendering it slightly more inflammatory terms, but you don't trust people to recognize your talents. Yes, or just uh, you know, uh, people have different tastes. Yeah, uh, and so. I feel, you know, perhaps whatever I'm doing may not appeal to a certain segment of the population. Sometimes perhaps maybe a very large segment of the population, but perhaps there's, uh, 
people out there who are interested in in reading what I happen to write, mm-hmm. and you just gotta hope that you find find those those people. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about a post you wrote recently regarding the Major League Baseball Players Association. Yes. Because um, uh, some of the posts you've done, um, and this is this is not uncommon for many posts, you would say you will maybe identify a player, right? So, um, you know, Car- Carlos Rodon, you wrote about Drew Hutchison, you wrote about um, Jose Iglesias, you wrote about. In this case, though, this is uh, – um, I noticed Dave Kierman writes these sort of posts too, right? This is a – this has the, the air of a proposal to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you will say, well, listen – the um, the owners, it's very clear. And I think that the Nathaniel Grow documented at one point as well um, for Fangraphs. The rising um, not it, the revenues in baseball are rising, but along with that is rising the owner's share of the revenues uh, by you know by by percentage. Yes, the the owners keep getting more money, and the players keep getting more money. But the of the new money that's coming in, the yeah. owners are getting a lot more of it than they used to. Right. And so the so I think it is uh, assumed that a, a priority for the players during uh, negotiating for the next uh, collective bargaining agreement will be to receive some of that money back. And uh, so, so you have you have a proposal that the most expedient way to to address this is to have um, is to to raise the, the essentially the minimum wage, as it were, for baseball, the, uh, the minimum salary for for players. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, um, but this has the air of a proposal about it. Um, do you, um, is this a, a sort of um, m- mode that appeals to you? And I guess going into it, because I always wonder when Dave Cameron does it, he says, he makes a proposal that he'll be like, oh, games should be three innings or something like that. I always think, mm-hmm. well, that's a, I, it's valuable as a thought exercise at the same time, it's never going to happen. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, but, so that would make me, I didn't, I read it, I still read it. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And, uh, but it's never going to happen. So I wonder if, uh, when you're writing this proposal, do you say, well, I think probably someone's going to read this and this is going to be, this, my proposal will be accepted, um, immediately. Is that, is that your thought process? Uh, no, I did not expect that it would be accepted immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that, uh, the contract, current contract does not expire for a few more years. But I guess the, what, what I do is I figure out what the problem is and then attempt to come up with some sort of solution to it. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go sort of to the, not necessarily the extreme, but you, if you if you go on one end of the spectrum, sort of you're, you're, you're anchoring your position to mm-hmm. sort of uh, negotiate your way maybe towards someplace, someplace in the middle. And so with the, the player's proposal, I sort of said, like, this is where they should start. Maybe that's not what they're going to get, but they, they should really work on getting minimum salary players significantly more money because um, there are just fewer really good older players um, as compared to, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, there was... Um um, it was interesting because I think even when you expanded it to, let's see, if you expanded the minimum salary to to two million even, it, or at least one and a half million, it did. It really still doesn't make that huge of a dent. No, um, you know, it's it's something. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about a a billion dollar gap, you you have to have a lot of somethings to sort of to to get that amount up. I was wondering if if such a plan might actually be if, if it might actually be interesting or might actually appeal to veteran players, right? Because historically, veterans are are a little bit difficult for teams because they will earn more money uh, relative to the wins they're creating. But if you have if teams are saving less money off of um, off of players who are making the minimum, then they they might be more likely to employ uh, veteran players. Yeah, I think that's uh that's a possibility cuz you if you've got let's say if the minimum salary was 2 million dollars and you've got a guy in AAA, if you bring him up and he's going to cost 2 million dollars, um, you know, there might be a veteran out there who might be slightly better who would gladly take the the 2 million dollars and uh and and 
and pay for that. And also, I think the the players they don't they don't collectively. It would be very good for the players if none of them ever signed contract extensions and they all made it to free agency. But individually, it's almost always better to sign that long term extension because you know you only have the the one shot at at the big at the big money, and once it's offered to you, you sort of you it's very hard to to turn that that sort of life changing amount down. And yeah. obviously, obviously, Scott Boris steers his players directly towards free agency and by and large it works out very well for Scott Boris clients. Right. And that's something that would work if all the players did it. But if you raise the minimum salaries, maybe players would be less likely to to sign those extensions or those extensions would cost considerably more money and uh they would have to pay the players more money. That's interesting, right, because the players would be receiving um, these players who are receiving the minimum salary, say it were $2 million, they'd be receiving something closer to life-changing money than, um, well, than $500,000, certainly. Um, right. Well, if you've got, if you don't make it to arbitration until you're, you know, essentially you're, you have to do three plus years, or, you know, you're, you're talking about making like a million and a half dollars or maybe two and a half million dollars over your first four years. Whereas if you're making, you know, two million dollars a year, um, maybe you, you don't, you don't sign that extension. Right. What would you, uh, what are you going to do? You, you, what are your, what year are you in your contract with Fangraphs? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't have think you, that's publicly. I don't think that's publicly disclosed. Have you? What would uh, you recommend I do? Have you do well? Let's see. Hmm. I don't know. I'd go straight to Appleman. I would. I would go <laughs> past Cameron. Yeah. You know, Appleman's a little bit uh, easier going, and he's the one with the money. You know, that would be like you know, Scott Boris goes directly to the learners. You know, the the owners of the mm-hmm. Nationals and bypasses Mike Rizzo. Or I think it's rumored, yeah. Two hundred ten million dollars for Max Scherzer. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so, yeah, I would uh, I would go straight to I'd go straight to Appleman, go long term, I guess, long term. I mean, I don't know how does how long is this uh, freelance law legal work gonna gonna keep up? Uh, it's fine. But you know, if I could if I could uh, you know, do full time blogging, I would much rather do that. Yeah. But, what about uh, with with your legal work? Have you ever got a chance to to slam a table? Uh, say something like, uh, I, what is it? I, uh, what do object. you say? I object. Have you ever gotten a chance to object? Yes, you know? uh, before I did the work I do now, um, I worked, uh, in workers' compensation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you don't go to trial, they call it arbitration. And you go in front of an arbitrator who's similar to a judge, but not, um, elected, um, uh, like, uh, most local judges are. And so you put a case on in front of the arbitrator and, you know, ask witnesses questions, that sort of thing, object. But I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever slammed my hand on a table. Like how, like how, how loud did you get? How, how demonstrative did you get? What's the, what's the most animated you were? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an overly animated person. No, in, in really. General, I would say you're not. <laughs> no, so I. Greg, you're I would, shocking me right now. <laughs> I, uh, I I have a I have a you know a fairly resonant voice. Yeah. So you know I can make sure that I'm heard across a room. But yeah. uh, I I don't think anyone would ever accuse me of I don't know yelling. I would say. Do you, do you remember the first time you objected? Um, I don't have specific knowledge of the first time I objected. Although the first time that I would have objected, it would have been in a deposition and not at uh, a trial. But those, the depositions aren't even in front of judges. It's in front of a court reporter who types everything up, and then the judge rules on the objection later. Oh, yeah. Would you, would you have been nervous before you objected? You say, oh, should I do it now? This is my first big objection. Oh, definitely. Yeah, is the whole first deposition nerve wracking? Yes. Yeah. I assume you've observed them before with a 
a more experienced lawyer, right? Right. Yeah. But when you are the fir- when you are now in charge, that's that must be uh, that must be those must be anxious moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You put that in your dream journal. That mo- discussion of that. Um, I mean, it probably filled a few pages. <laughs> are there uh, are there courtroom dreams? You know, like people, uh, it's not uncommon to have a dream where you show up to school without your pants on or whatever. Can you have a similar a court court legal style anxiety dream? Uh, yeah, like uh, like you you have a dream where uh, you you have a you have a case. But you didn't think you have a, had a case, Ugh. and so, you know, you you don't know what to do. You have no preparation, right? And then you'd say, "Oh yeah, not, the, not unlike this podcast." Yeah, and then you'd say, and then you'd say to the the you'd say to the ah he's he's innocent. The guy's innocent. Wait, mm-hmm. sorry, I got a, a little bit of a weed whacker situation out there. Yeah, you'd say, uh, oh, he's innocent. And the judge is like, well, why is he innocent? And you'd be like, you know, just just look at him. I assume that just look at him <laughs> is not a satisfactory argument in the courtroom, right? Uh, not as far as I know. Just look at him. Yeah. Maybe at least not in uh, Illinois courts. No, perhaps not. Yeah. All right, well, listen, Craig, the, uh, I think the weed whacker is going to hurt our chances of... of uh, uh, I think it's gonna hurt the sound quality. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it is. Um, but so I'm gonna. Seems like a distinct possibility. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that you fulfilled your obligation. I don't know what your obligation was, but I'm assuming you fulfilled it. I don't know what it was either. But yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to know that I have. Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Well, here's, so here's the thing. People are gonna. What I want is people now are gonna read this and they say, "Well, now I know who Craig Edwards is. He is a lawyer who objects. He's an unass- unassuming person." Who secretly doesn't? Who secretly um, suspects maybe that you don't fully appreciate his talents? Does that, <laughs> does that, does that seem does that seem reasonable? I'd say you're you're putting words in my mouth. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you put them in your own mouth? I guess that's what you have to do, right? Well, yeah, I'd say you know everyone can just listen to the podcast and those you know for the for the words that I said. Right, the ones you said. All right. Well, you know, I was trying to summarize it. I guess yeah. Anyway, uh, let's. Why well, you stick no, around for fair. S- stick around for a second, and uh, and uh, <laughs> um, but uh, for the moment, I will say I will say thank you to Craig to to you. I'll say thank you to you, Craig Edwards. Thank you. Yeah, that has been Craig Edwards, uh, daily contributor. Um, unless there's been a big hockey game the night before, uh, to fan to fangraphs dot com, a uh, a weekly contributor to Viva Albertos, a um, an actual lawyer. And a guest on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am and will continue to be Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio.